Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. We're bad at math. We are really bad at math. Um, there are two truths in, in, in this podcast. One is that you cannot remember character names. No. And that neither one of us is good at math. Our dates. Our dates. Oh, God. We are bad at dates. So somehow we got it into our head. You know what I think happened? It's because we thought Dead Set was going to be five weeks and it ended up being three. That's true. We Okay. There, there's. And so we, for some reason, thought we were going to have two... We were going to have one week left over, right. and that was going to be zombies, right. but we we forgot to add the two weeks, so Dead Set wasn't, and then was three weeks. And then we decided it was going to be one week we had to fill in, right. and now it's two, two weeks. weeks. Uh, hi folks, Two I'm plus Tim. one, plus one, plus <laughs> two, and I'm, I'm Dustin. Would anyone care for some fruit or dessert? <laughs> Flames! On the side of my face. You know they're making remaking that with Ryan. Ryan Reynolds is going to remake They are that. threatening to remake Clue, and it's a terrible, terrible idea. Here, this is Apocalypse Now. Oh, okay? yes, we yes, should, we, we are Apocalypse Now. We presume I, that you know that, considering that you're listening yeah, to the podcast. Yeah. But it's always good to identify ourselves. All right. I don't, I don't necessarily know if it would, it would be terrible. Here's the problem that you have sometimes with remakes. Like, you try and recapture the magic of what right. you already had and sure. you end up bungling it. That's what happened with the Ghostbusters remake. Yes. They could have done and I could see the places where they had like a really could have had a really fun interesting new story that they they just bungled. They right. just bungled right. it. And you know, it's no wasted pro- a, wasted a really good cast. Yes. Wasted uh, the potential of having a new franchise. Yeah, a new pr- the premise was actually if you if you just look at the premise of it, mm-hmm. the cast and the premise that they had, they could have done something really cool. But the the problem is is that they tried too hard to go for what the original Ghostbusters had done. Yes, and so many films that are. The, the reason you want to remake that film is because it was so amazing and had yeah. that great thing. That, most of the time, actually was a fluke. Right. It wasn't a thing where, like, we made this film and we knew we had a hit. Yeah. It was, we made this film, we thought it was really, really funny, and holy crap, it's a gigantic hit. Right. And that's kind of the opposite thing with the original Clue. The original Clue is just, it was more of a cult classic because it bombed in the theater. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think that the ones that really really work the remakes that really work are the ones that don't like they they take the elements mm-hmm. of the original and then they go in a different like like uh mad max fury road that right. was essentially a, a reboot it has, it has a, qualities a, of reboot yeah. it's it's a sequel in a way but really it's well, but the, the mad max films a little, little digression here the mad max films not one of the ones not any of the sequels are actually really sequels to the first film. Mm-hmm. They're all like stories about a guy named Max set in a, right. in a in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. None of them actually line up together and make right. any sense. And I love the theory. There's a, a fan theory that that because they're all told, and they all end up being told right. third person that they're they're really just tall tales from this post-apocalyptic world. Yeah. There may or may not have actually been a Max. Right. He's the he's the man with no name. He's the he's right. the hero who the who rides out on the horse yeah. at the end of you know he shut, he's he's killed the outlaws and now he leaves town. Everybody's right. like who was that so man? So essentially what what a reboot has to do is find distill that quality that will tie it to the heart of the original. Right. But come up with something new, and if Ryan Reynolds' Clue can do that, if it can take that zany mystery element mm-hmm. and spin it somewhere new, I'll be totally on board. I'll be totally. I will fine. too. The problem is that we both know that most remakes grab onto something that doesn't age well. Right. They, they, they're trying to capture that original sense of magic, which is almost impossible. Mm-hmm. Ghostbusters too couldn't capture Ghostbusters right. magic. Um, or you you sit there and say that we can we can replace this iconic actor with this 
this actor now who seems like they would fit that mold, but you're not. It, it, you're going to be hard pressed to find a model in Khan, right? Or or a Tim Curry, um, and you know you saw something like with the, with the remake of It, you know they went they didn't focus on the same tone that the mini TV miniseries, mm -hmm. which as much as I loved it when it was first aired, has aged really poorly. Um, but that's an example of another that's another where the cast was people that that generation when I was. What, I would think it was 2021 20, when that came out. Mm -hmm. um, I knew who all those actors were. Of it course. made sense to have Harry from Night Court and, you know, John Boy from the Waltons. And it made sense to have these characters, you know, mm -hmm. together. And, and that was part of the charm of the, of the miniseries. Um, but if you watch it now, you don't know who those people are. You're like, who are these actors? Right. And why do I care? Well, you know. But that actually, that actually kind of segues perfectly into what is part one of our Filler McFillerson episode. Right. Which is the Spike TV version of The Mist, a remake of the Frank Darabond The Mist right. as a TV show. Right. Uh, that was a Stephen King short story. Yes. Um, so much akin to how you have to go back several steps to get to the source material, which is the short story, it's kind of like a game of telephone, right. which is what this is, but it's a game of telephone to somebody who has ever written a script or <laughs> acted in a script or edited a TV show. Or seen a person move in the world. This show. So we're sitting here tonight as we're discussing. Well, well we're first we're watch. talking about how we, we've messed up math. Yeah, we are. This is, this is what's happened before the show. Dustin and I are like, we can't, we can't do math, and we don't know what dates are, and we should not be allowed out without adult supervision. Right. And then it's like, well, what are we going to do? It's like, well, we've got two weeks. We could watch half a movie, and yeah. we could do two sort of, you know. But here's the problem with watching half a movie, folks, uh, that you start the movie, and you get an hour in, and go, and then the spooky stuff starts to happen, right. and then you have to stop the podcast or and or the movie and you can't really discuss anything so right. we thought well we gotta watch some we gotta watch something like what are we gonna watch and so we're going it? through your yeah. dustin's going through the, through the various things that he can you know netflix and that sort of stuff and and he comes and we're looking at this show and that show and he comes across the mist and he goes god this show is so terrible have you ever seen this show and i'm like no i have not and he goes we're gonna watch. I it. really want to see your face. When we're watching. <laughs> we have show. to. It is so. The, the here's the thing. Here's oh, the thing. God. The the mist TV show tried to do that thing where it where it found tried to find the nugget of what made the movie work mm -hmm. and tried to expand on it and spin it in a new direction. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but. The thing that they chose as the nugget was so fundamentally flawed. What would you say the nugget, the 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 core thing about the original The Mist, the movie? That's a good question because one of the things that really really impressed me about that movie was just that complete sense of dislocation. Um, they're, 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 as the film progresses, it becomes grimmer and grimmer and grimmer. Mm -hmm. The mood of that film is almost the most important character because you are very, very quickly put in a situation mm -hmm. where you have no sense of what's going on. And you desperation. Feel, you feel that. The, the desperation yeah. of people in an unknowable situation. And it's very visceral in that movie. I would say that that is probably... The nugget okay. of that film. All right, fair that, enough. That if you can try and tap into the idea, the core of being a desperate person trapped in an unknowable situation and slowly but surely becoming more and more desperate as time goes mm -hmm. on because of the unknowableness right, yeah. and because of the situation in which you find yourself in. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, good say, that's a good thing to say the nugget of that movie is. Uh, the people who created the Miss the TV show decided that the nugget was everybody wackadoodle. <laughs> like, people are wackadoos. Yeah, so we're watching this, and I said, who are these people? And Dustin's like, these are people who were written by somebody who has heard of humans. <laughs> it's as if aliens came down and said, let us write a script about these yes. human things. Right. <laughs> and it's like... 
these are not people. I don't recognize. I don't recognize almost anybody in this show as being someone that exists outside of a writer's idea of a character. Right. That these are these are not. And now, admittedly, this is one episode in. Right. But but we're already at that point where we're like, what? Because yeah, nobody on this show behaves in a way that makes any sense at all. Mm-hmm. People don't talk to each other. When they do talk to each other, they talk to each other in strange f- turns of phrase that imply things without saying things. And okay, look, so you do not want to spend your first episode of any show basically going, Hi, I'm Tim. I am. Here's my entire life. Mm-hmm. This, these are my flaws. These are my hopes. These are my dreams. These are the things that keep me awake at night. This is the deep, dark, personal secret which drives everything that I do. And you are? Right. <laughs> well, okay. So let's let's go about it like we always do. Yes. Let's, we'll start at the beginning. Okay. It starts with a soldier waking up in the woods. And the soldier is... There's a German shepherd lying next to him. And right. He does not know how he got there. Mm-hmm. And it's it makes it... Uh, the assumption is that he cannot remember who he is. Because the first thing he does is open up his wallet to look for... Some sort of identification Which he himself. pulls out a credit card and... It says Brian Hunt on it. Right. Now, there's a couple problems with this scene. One, he immediately takes his wallet and puts it back in his pocket. Mm-hmm. As opposed to going to anybody else who would look through the rest of it. Because, right. you know, most of us have, I don't know, a photo ID of some kind. If you're in a military uniform, you probably mm-hmm. have a military ID. There's probably some form of identification, some visual thing. Right. And even if it's not in there... If you wake up without any sense of who you are, you're going to go through the rest of it. That's information. That's right. That's, that's... Who am I? What? And you know, he's he does not do this. Dressed up as a in a soldier's uniform, like not even a bad soldier's uniform. No. Like, um. So so, uh, he's sitting there and he's like, "Hey, dog, are you my dog?" And the dog's just like, "What up? I'm a dog." Yeah. Dog's name is Rufus, by the way. Right, Rufus. Don't get too attached. No. Um. <laughs> and the, the mist starts rolling in. And so the dog runs off into the mist. Which, Starts barking and, and runs yeah, inside. Which is uh, anal- analogous to every single other animal that encounters the mist, which runs away from it, but whatever. Sure. Um, so the dog runs into the mist, and Brian runs after the dog. Right. Uh, and you hear some barking, and then you hear a murr, and uh, Brian turns around, and something has hung the carcass of Rufus, after Headless, rip, yeah, ripping, rip, up its rip, head. ripping it to shreds and hung it next to him. Right, and so Brian goes running out of the uh, of the mist. Luckily, he picks the direction that gets him out of the mist because he's been spinning around in circles in this little clearing mm-hmm. here. So yeah, he actually has no idea where he is, but he immediately runs out the way he came, right. which is lucky for him. Clearly, because whatever was in there that killed the dog, um, just. Uh, I don't know, was it making a point? Was, yeah. it, was it showing off? I don't know. Well, I, I, I don't know what's happening here. So so anyway. Um, so he runs He out. runs, and there's two towns. Mm-hmm. One's 14 miles away, one's 17 miles away. Do we know which one he picked? No, he just starts running. Well, no, he one. looks back and sees which way the, the mist is coming. So one assumes he's running toward the one that has the arrow pointing away from mm-hmm. the mist. Right. And so he runs... I want to see the story of the folks of the town that's closer to this, because <laughs> maybe, maybe normal people live in that town as opposed to the so, weirdos who yeah. live over here. So he runs to this, to this town and runs to the sheriff's department. He's like, the mist is coming! The mist right. is coming! I would like to just point out, this is, this is an important thing to mention. I have mentioned more than once my issue with time on The Walking Dead and Fear mm-hmm. the Walking Dead. This show does not help my clear no. obsession with... with problems with time and right, space. Right, because we're going to drop off Brian here at the police station because Brian gets arrested for being for people, he like decides he's going to, like, he's like, we need to go get guns and he tries to break into the to the the, the, the armory and so the police kind of throw him into the tank for the night. I saw, we will also mention at this point that the police behave in no manner that anyone who has ever been out okay I'm, i can't even say that anymore because you get to hear these news stories all the time unfortunately the police do not behave in an appropriate manner in any right. way shape or form in this situation right at no point they is knock it there, him around yeah, and it's mean, like you can't do this to me and they're like well so what and, and you know they don't actually ask him his name they don't check him for anything they throw him in a cell without checking him for anything which would right. include the wallet by the way which mm-hmm. would have identification of some kind right no they don't do any of these things they just throw him in a cell yeah 
And later he, he says, he's trying to question him, and he's, like, very elusive, and he's like, I'm homeless, and I don't remember things. And, like, why not just say, I woke up in the woods... Because and the I writers told you I can't remember to. what happened. I'm obviously in a military uniform. Because they look at the patch on his thing and figure out what base he's from, and they decide to go call that base. Right. Meanwhile, yes. um, there is uh, a young lady mm. uh, who is in a Bourne movie, apparently. She is in a, a barn... With the oh. dude, and she's tied up. <laughs> I was thinking, it's actually, you looked her up online and went, no. okay, she's actually one of the new Jason no. Bourne movies. her name is Mia. Mia mm-hmm. is being accosted by some dude who wants his money back. And he's like... Well, he's he's saying, tell me where it is, tell me where it is. I should mention at this point that she's got duct tape across her mouth. Right. So she couldn't actually answer, even if right. she was inclined to, which is not how you right. question people. And so... So she he rips the duct tape off her mouth and she's like, so and so I, you know, so and so asked me this and that's why he's dead, and he's like, so and so's not dead and she's like, well why don't you call him to find out and he's like, okay, and so <laughs> he's easily led. He's just a thug. He's not yeah. the brain trust of this project. So he this guy goes to like call his boss or somebody call somebody to figure out whether or not me is telling the truth. And uh, she gets the duct tape off of her wrists, and they have a fight, and she ends up stabbing him. With a conveniently located pitchfork. Yes. So meanwhile, so Mia goes, she she goes to her mother's house, mm-hmm. uh, and her mother has died months ago, and there's somebody else living there, and he's like, get out of my house. And so she's like, yes, ma'am, and leaves, but then she comes back later under the cover of darkness. The remember... Brian was running from the mist, and the mist was moving real fast. Right. And Mia comes back that next, that same night, and the mist still has not arrived. Right. So this is one of the, the time and space issues here. He runs 17 miles. Right. Which, uh, average walking speed, a fast walk is four miles an hour. Right. Running speed, let's say, three miles right. an hour. And uh, let's say that because it's not, you mean, because the military... Especially like army dudes and like special forces and stuff, they're trained to run long distances. And but you the, know, but they also don't necessarily run super fast. You, you run even and you run consistent, right. so that you can maintain that stamina over long periods of time. So it's going to take him several hours to get yeah. there anyway. Sorry, right. no matter what. And the so it's several hours later, and the mist is still not there. Right, the mist uh, is moving really fast. Mia breaks back into the house, goes into the shed, and digs up. A bag full of money and passports. Right. Getting interrupted because, of course, she's making no attempt to conceal herself because she parks in front of the house in the truck. She kicks in the door to the shed and she takes along the gun, which she leaves. Uh, yeah. She, she got the gun from the guy in the barn and she has the gun in her, tucked into her, what, the back of her pants? Yeah. And not accessible for when the whole, the, the guy who lives in the house now comes out and behaves as if. He's just, he's an awful person as it is. He's well, not a yeah, nice guy either. They, Who is this guy? They, he, the way he acts makes it seem like like he is some creep. When yeah. he really should just be like, I am protecting my house. My freaking house. You, I live here now. Yeah, it's, 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 he's super belligerent in a way that is above and beyond. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, okay. Admittedly, she walked into his house. Right. Um, and by the way, lock your doors, kids. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, yeah, the way he's acting towards her is really odd. This is a recurring theme in this episode, by the way. She gets arrested mm-hmm. because she's not very good. Like for all her like weird, crazy like ninjaness that that got her <laughs> away from the thug, she cannot run from the cops for. Because she, she runs maybe half a block before she stops. Right, and they and they know exactly where to find her because really bad at this. So she gets arrested and thrown in a cell next to our friend Brian. Right. <sighs> Meanwhile, we have the family, the the family that is the core of our our little enterprise here, and their names are the Copelands. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eve Copeland is a teacher. She's a she's a health teacher at the high school. Right. And she decides to tell the kids in her health class about safe sex, how to use a condom Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. Sure. Which is reported by some parents and she is 
put on administrative leave, but the principal makes it makes it pretty clear that she is probably going to be fired. He feels bad about it because he agrees that she is, in fact, correct in treating her children right. in her class like, you know, like they're but, sensible. But now, they made a but that you know safe sex is not in the in the in the school board's itinerary or whatever and and so we will if any of you who have ever actually been a teacher know anything about how administrative processes work will recognize that this is not actually how it's done but that's okay we're going to move on because we have to establish that she is persona non grata with certain other women and men in the town in the community she's made a she and she's more than likely losing her job right so she goes to her husband whose name is kevin Mm -hmm. and uh and they sit out on their back porch and he very lovingly says, I will support whatever decision you need to make about mm-hmm. whether or not you want to move. If you want to move, we can move and you can get a new job or we can try and find you a job here around here. And she's like, I'll go back to the job that I hate. The job that I hate so, until you get back on your feet. Because he's a newspaper reporter, but he was in advertising before. Right. Uh, and, and Eve is like, no, you are. Thank you so much. But uh, I just really, you know, I think... Maybe we can get this worked out. I don't want you to do something that you hate. You know, I want right. you to. I don't want you to resent me. And clearly, a loving yes. couple who communicate and talk about what's going on in their lives and right. how they feel, and they support each other through difficult situations. Right. And so then, upbox Alex, the daughter, and it all goes to <laughs> hell immediately. <laughs> immediately, Eve and Kevin decide that they hate each other because they have been parenting Alex since she was a tiny babe. And uh, obviously, compl- without ever actually discussing how to parent this child, uh, because uh, Kevin is the good cop always. He always gives her what she wants and tells her yes to whatever she wants to do. And Eve always has to be the bad cop, and she really resents it. And and he's just always he. She loves Alex, loves Kevin, but she hates Eve. And, and she's hated her for sixteen years, yeah, her just, entire life. Right. Since she was a small baby, she looked at her mother and went, "I yes, hate you, you." And it's never let up. And then there is. Okay, so things happen. They go to a football game, which happens at a very strange time at night because it's daylight. Yeah, all these things are happening interspersed with each other. Mia's storyline and Brian's storyline and the Copelands are all happening all roughly at the same time. Right, but the problem is is that you're watching this football game that they're having after school, which clearly... daytime. And it's, it's not like like getting towards even time it's more like it's a very bright day and right. then they're going to have a party afterwards and the the boy that that the girl likes alex who's the girl yeah alex, alex the girl's the, name the boy that that alex likes is uh, uh she's telling his dad who's one of the police officers his name is jay that you're going to have a party and and tells his dad we're going to this party and he goes okay and then he asks alex and his and and she's like, I'd love to go. And Mom's like, you're no, never going anywhere. You're not going. How dare you even suggest that you could go and to the party. she's like, what? And, and Kevin is like, she's she's 16 years old. Like, why can't she go to this party? And he's like, I have my reasons. And he's like, do you want to tell me maybe one of them? And she's like, no. We've only been together for at least 16 years, but apparently this is a new topic we have clearly not discussed right. before. Except that it turns out it probably is, based on information we get mm-hmm. later in the episode. But it doesn't... Anyway, and so... the funny thing is, it's like... Okay, so so Kevin tells Eve, I think she should be able to go to this party. Mm-hmm. And Eve says, no. And Kevin says, but I think she should be able to go. Then he immediately goes and tells Alex, you can go to this party. You are... I am saying you can go. Yes. And in the process of this scene has one of the most egregious examples of how not to write dialogue between a parent and mm-hmm. a child ever unless you're telling a certain kind of story right which is do not go into the child the teenage daughter's room sit on her bed and talk about how the love between you and your daughter is different than the love between you and your mother right and yes, this whole I... scene sounds like we don't talk about mommy and uh, you know daddy and and, and daughter's special love, time. Yeah. It's like, oh god, what is happening here? This was extremely wrong. This whole scene was just like, what is no? Yeah. What is this? 
Oh, yeah. So anyway, uh, Kevin says Alex can go to this party as long as she brings her weird gay friend with her. Right, and is home by midnight. Did we mention this is yes. a school night? No, because we are not. We don't know this. Because we went to high school in America, yeah. where when you go to a football game, those football games are on Friday night, right? Yeah, uh-huh. and so then you can have the party after. Sure, which makes perfect sense, and I'm kind of thinking that's what's happening now with, with, with the story because yeah. even though they live in a part of the country where night never comes, suddenly it's night, right? Uh, so they go to the party. And her what's 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 her gay friend's name? Adrian. Okay, so Adrian, Adrian Adrian is Adrian is an example of how to write a character who looks like he's guilty of something. (laughs) And if you want, okay, so so much of writing is is visual shorthand, right? And visual shorthand is a very very useful way to give you a sense of who somebody is or what their life is like. In a very short period of time, so you get on with telling your story. Right. But then there's really bad visual shorthand. Like, Adrian and his mother and his father sitting at a table. Adrian not touching any of his food. Adrian's father not looking at Adrian. Adrian saying, can I go now? Can I go now? Can I go now? Adrian's father picking up his food, walking over, putting it on the counter and walking out of the room. And then the mother goes, you know that he can't hear you when you're wearing makeup. And all I could think is, who the hell are these people? (laughs) Oh, it's just... Right, it's bad. It's bad. So anyway, Adrian and his parents are in a bad way. Mm -hmm. And and so Adrian and Alex go to this party. But Adrian, Adrian looks... Reminds me of that kid from Teen Wolf, the little blonde-haired kid yeah. in, the, in the latter half of the last season, where you just look at him and know he's up to something. You look at him and just right. know that he's guilty. This kid right. is, I mean, and part of it, okay, I have only seen this episode. This is, I have not watched the rest of the show. I don't know, I don't know where the character goes. But part of my reaction to Adrian right now is that he's a pretentious little prick. That's what he really looks like. It was like a perfectly normal kid. Yeah. They've got him dressed all in black and he's got mascara on. I just found a picture of him on IMDb. And he's just like a kid. But he's a pretentious person. little brat. Yeah. Now, I will say this about how they're writing their teenagers. I remember some of these kids from mm-hmm. high school. They are doing a really, really good job of writing teenagers as terrible people. Right. Because every teenager we meet, with the exception of, of the high school football star, uh-huh. is like you look at them and go... I would ground you till you die. Yeah. <laughs> right. So anyway, they go to this party, and, and Luke Cosgrove, he's the, the football star, he like comes up to Alex and he's like, I'm so glad you made it. And she's like, oh, tittle, tittle, tittle. And he's like, do you want a drink? And she's like, I don't drink. And he's like, well, maybe one. And she's like, okie dokes. <laughs> well, but, but before this, uh, she and Adrian get to the party, and they're like, what do we do now? And he goes, well, let's dance. He then goes and takes his iPhone. Plugs it into somebody else's sound system. Party foul. Yeah. Um, and then he and Alex start dancing in the middle of the room, which suddenly there's room in the middle of the room right. for them to do this. And everyone just looks and gives them that look. Right. Like, who are you? And and, and then the one of the, the aggressively anti-gay football player comes over and starts picking on, on yeah. Adrian. And they're saved. By the football. Yeah. By, so, by so, Jay. Jay comes in and he saves them. He's like, I'm sorry, this isn't how it should be. And, you know, you know, this is, you know, it's like they don't know what century they're living in. It's like, he's like, hooray, I'm the good kid. And Adrian's like, this is, uh, you know, so he's left. Alex and Alex and Jay wander off to get a drink and Adrian's kind of like, yeah. Which, unfortunately, again, having been a teenager, this is the way teenagers act sometimes. Yeah. It's not cool. And she did kind of warn him. She was. She did say, when when you fall in love, when you get a boyfriend, I'll follow you to parties you don't want to go to. And she does this whole, Adrian does this whole thing like, I fall in love with the person, not the gender. And, and Alex is like, uh-huh, okay. <laughs> so that's actually, the, that end. That's where the sequence ends. Right. And the next thing we know, it's 6 a.m. the next morning, and Kevin's alarm clock is going off. And he's like, he goes and knocks on the door to Alex's room, like, oh, I trusted my 16-year-old daughter to come in at midnight like she said she was going to. Right, neither one of these parents... Okay, here's the thing. There's, okay, there's Here, so many things wrong right, with this All right, let's scene. start. Number, number one. Number one. 
I would, if, if I were in that situation, mm-hmm. I would 100% have been, been on Kevin's side. I have a 16-year-old daughter. She needs to start experiencing some of the things that high school has to offer. That includes parties. She should be allowed to go. That 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 is the point where I am saying yes. Yes, Alex, you can go to the party. I'm 100% with Kevin there. I would not, at that time, be like, well... It's my Betty by time, 10.30 at night. I'm going to just go on to sleep, and uh, hopefully my teenage daughter will arrive when she's supposed to arrive. There's a number of problems with this entire scene, and that is one of them. The other one is that mom, at no point, having had this fight with her husband, this fight with her daughter, goes to check on her daughter at any point the rest of the night. Yes. Not only that, but she had, like, even Kevin had this fight where Kevin made it explicitly clear that he thought it would be okay for Alex to go to this party and then went off to talk to her and Eve was just like, oh, okay, I'm sure this will work itself out fine. And, and like, apparently made she went to bed or something. Yeah. Like, who are these people? Because it doesn't matter what time she really got home. Midnight rolls around, and your child, who has gone off to this party... Is not there. You're going to find out where she is. Right. So they, he, the bed hasn't been made, so they go running around, and he call, and she, the mom calls the phone, and then they can, they can hear it ringing outside the house, and they see that she's sitting down by the water on the swing. And they run down there, and she tells them her story. Which is that she went to the party, she got super drunk, she remembers somebody helped her upstairs, Mm -hmm. and when she woke up, she feels like maybe something has happened to her. And there was blood on the sheets, so she's pretty sure she knows what happened. Right. And it is like the worst, most, most after-school special... Mm Mm-hmm type of telling the family I was raped situation. Now this is also a show that has no problem swearing. Okay? Right. So this is this is not a question of them censoring it for the network. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is a show where the the characters are swearing on a regular basis. It's just a very poorly written scene because in right. the middle of the scene where she's talking about what's happened to her, the her parents decide to have a fight about her going to the party in the first place. Right. Who are these people? Why are they so terrible? I mean, it's... Uh, and they're, they're like, stop, stop. And they're like, we cannot have this fight right now. It's like, really? Mm-hmm. And she's just sitting there going, I'm just going to shut up and keep quiet. Well, these two <laughs> idiots. Right. And they're like, we should take her to the hospital. We should take her to the police. It's like, well, yeah, you should do that. Mm-hmm. And from here, it doesn't get any better. Right. And it, here's the problem. Here's the problem that that I have with the way that the Copelands are written. It's Kevin and Eve. It's like, it's like somebody was like, we have to give them conflict. They can't, they can't be on this. They can't be a cohesive family unit. They have to have a conflict. And the conflict arises in such an inorganic way. Right. Because like, Oh, I am always the bad guy. And that was why she hates me. Like that's, Honestly, that's something that happens in families a lot, oh, where, sure. yeah. where the mom is the one that is no, and dad is the fun parent. So that's not an un, uncommon thing, but the way that Eve just kind of like goes into this insane histrionics about it, and then like decides after, after Alex has raped this party, like, I'm going to leave you. Kevin, I'm leaving you. I can't be around you anymore. Oh, God. It's just such a, it's such a petty I told you so-ness. Well, it also her. plays into this, the, the mystery, quote-unquote, mystery of her past. Mm-hmm. Which, as the episode unfolds and we get the more family dynamics, we find out that apparently she has a reputation in town for being a slut when she was Eve. younger. Yeah. So, I, I grew up in Wichita, which is not a big city. Twenty, It was 250,000 when I was there. Right. Right. So, but I went to a fairly large high school, and so it's a certain environment. If you had a reputation, and this is a right. small town. This is not like a, apparently it's not a gigantic town. This is a, it's just a medium-sized town in Maine. But that kind of reputation gets around and stays around. And sometimes in small towns, this stays forever. Mm-hmm. So I have a number of questions about why she's even in this town, if it was so terrible. Right. And if this was that kind of, and whatever it is that happened to her. I mean, again, I still don't know because it hasn't been yeah. spelled out aside from the fact that she, you know, her daughter 
knows that there's this reputation of her mom being a slut as a teenager. But apparently whatever happened to her shapes why she wants Alex to behave in, the, in, in a be, certain way. Be protected in a certain way. And that is actually, that would be a good motivation except for Kevin acts like he's never heard of any exactly. of this before. Like, you know, oh my goodness, you have reasons why you would want to... Why didn't you tell me you had reasons you wanted to keep our 16-year-old daughter at home in the 17 years it's taken to conceive and then raise her? Is this and a conversation then, you should have earlier in the relationship or, than you know, this point? Let's, let's just back it up a little bit. Yeah. Okay, so obviously Kevin and Eve have been together since Alex was a born at, at least, least at least 17 and, years and so yeah then the the baby have the baby creating portion of the evening which i hope nine they, more months which, so 17 well based then, on this relationship i hope they enjoyed it it's hard to tell right and then of course you've got the fact that you know they had to you know hopefully like date each other for a little while mm -hmm. before they decided to start having a baby so they should know each other a little bit and apparently so, it's like, been in this town that's yeah so if this rumor mill is running around, only, you would think that not you would have heard something. Does, does Eve, does Eve lived here her whole life? Kevin has lived here his whole life, too, because his brother lives there. That's like 20 years worth of people, like, living in the, you know, Kevin should be aware of some of this stuff. Right, and if he, if he already knows, why is he acting like he doesn't know? And if he doesn't know what bubble he's even living in, okay, so this is, this is hand of the writer nonsense. Right, this is really, really bad writing, right? Uh, and it doesn't get any better. No. So this is, it just keeps it's getting so, worse. It's, it's it's one of those things that's incredibly fun, terrible. Oh, it's just you. Dustin literally got to listen to me sit on the couch, going, "Why are they doing that? Who are these people? That's not normal." And I, I don't know. <laughs> Why is this a thing that is happening? So, uh, so anyway, that's. Still, this is the, so. This is the next day. Brian ran down the mountain into town. Right. Was arrested. Mia was arrested. Alex was raped. Mm -hmm. It's the next day. The mist has not arrived. They have a full like. Oh, and so they go to the sheriff. Who? Oh, by the way, is the is Jay the big football quarterback's father? Right. Who then now has to go and arrest his own son at school? Okay. So, for those of you who have never been arrested at school before, which doesn't include me, I've never yeah. been arrested at school before, but I will tell you how people with difficult situations handle that at school. They go to the principal's office, uh -huh. and they say, um, we will, need to talk to will, this person. Will Jay come to the principal's office? And then Jay goes to the principal's office, and he is then uh, brought away by... Uh, the police to be questioned. Right, but he goes to the principal's office where the conversation is had and if you are a minor, you are told probably by the principal, if not the police mm -hmm. officer, that you need to contact your parent or legal guardian because you need to talk to us mm -hmm. and we need to have an adult present. Okay. Right. This is what's supposed to happen. This is not what happens. No, no. The sheriff's deputies show up at Jay's locker and they're like, hey, you need to come with us. And he's like, why? You just need to come down to the station. Why? Is something happening with that? No, your dad's fine. You need to come with us to the station. And so finally they announce in the middle of the hallway, you're being investigated for sexual assault. Yeah, none of this ever happens, guys. This is not how things are done. Oh, yeah. This, if, oh, if, if, if his dad was not the sheriff, right. they would have a suit against the police, the police uh, department for, for announcing this thing in the middle of the school. Well, yeah, I just, it, it, yeah. It's just, okay, it's just so bad. <laughs> right. So, anyway. <sighs> so they take him away, and meanwhile at the hospital, um, or, or, yeah. or, is, or a doctor's office anyway, uh, the doctor comes out and says... That Alex is in there talking to the police. And I'm like, both of her parents are out in the hall. Why are both of her parents out in the <laughs> hall while she's talking to the police? This is not how it works, people. Especially considering that the sheriff is the father of the alleged assaulter. So then the doctor who goes... The, the Kevin? Kevin is the dad? Yeah. Kevin goes over to... I, I can't remember character names. 
I've, I've the, got it on IMDb. The writing of this show has broken my ability to remember characters' names. So Kevin goes over to the doctor, and she goes, I can't tell you anything about it. And he goes, I need to know. And she says, well, okay. okay. <laughs> so she tells him that, you know, there's no sign of it. It, doesn't, it, it wasn't forced assault. It doesn't mean it wasn't assault, but it no, no signs she of... Was, she, was, uh, she was drugged, mm-hmm. and something happened. They got a DNA sample. Right. Uh, but they can't say what, who it was until the DNA sample comes back. Right. So, meanwhile, the mist continues to roll in. Right. So the next day, it's a completely (laughs) new day now. Yeah. And, and, uh, Kevin finds Eve packing a bag in the strangest way. No, no, but wait, before that, Alex... And and Adrian. Oh, right. Yeah. So they're. <laughs> this is why I can't stand this kid. So they're lying on her bed, and he's stroking her hair, and she goes, "I don't know what to do," and he goes, "Well, you know, the police are involved." She goes, "No, no, I don't know what to do because I can't read a book, I can't watch TV, and I don't can't listen to any music right now because every piece of music I'm going to listen to is going to be the first song I heard after." And I actually thought that was a really interesting. Yeah scene right there when she's when she's talking about that i'm like that's that's really true and that's really tragic i know people who have been sexually assaulted mm-hmm. i know exactly I, I i know what she's talking about from from their experiences and as their friend but uh he next says well pick a song you don't like and i'm like that's very good advice mm-hmm. and then he promptly says you realize that the the, the the really popular uh, football star is not going to get blamed for this. You are, and everyone's going to call you a slut and a whore. And I'm like, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> are, are, is this support? Is that what's happening here? Yeah. <laughs> I kept waiting for her to look at him and go, uh, Yeah, because he's, he's basically, basically saying, well, your life is over in this yeah. town. And, and I was like, this is, what a horrible thing to say to somebody. What is yeah. wrong with you, kid? And then there's a crash downstairs, and then the, the uh, a brick or something's been thrown in through the through the glass, and the yeah. and the words "whore" have been written on the on the street in front of the house. And Kevin runs outside, and there are clearly high school students wearing the leather, leather jackets. jackets running away from her house. <laughs> and it's like, huh? So the next morning. Uh, That's when, yeah, Eve has decided to leave. Also, Kevin has left whore written on the street in front of the house. Okay, tips for dads. Uh, As a father, you and I would both, were our daughters to be called, Mm -hmm. something like that, and the word was written on the street in front of the house, what would you do? Well, I mean, I'd I'd at least move my car over it. What, you know? I mean, it's just, no, it's just sitting right there. At the very least, like... Get some more paint covered up, wash it away, something. But no, he just leaves it there. So that's when, you know, that's when Alex is like, or Eve. Yeah. Eve is like, well, we're going to go away and you're not coming with us because this would involve me explaining things in a rational manner. And clearly I'm not capable of doing that. And obviously, you know. The writers have not allowed me to talk to you in a way that a human talks to another human being. And I love you dearly, but I can't talk to you because... I cannot communicate with other human species creatures. It's like, what is going on in this scene? And, and then he's like, well, okay. Alrighty. And she goes, you should go to the, you should go to the police station and tell them what happened. I'm like, they, he didn't call them last night. <laughs> what is, who are, anyway. So he goes down to the police station. Right. And he's standing there talking to the sheriff and the sheriff. <laughs> oh God. He's like, why are you here? He's like, I want to talk to the other deputy. And the other deputies, the sheriff's like, well, the other deputy's going to interview Adrian. And he's like, why is he interviewing Adrian? He's like, because he's a witness to whatever happened between your kid and my kid. This, by the way, was reported yesterday. They didn't mm-hmm. interview Adrian yesterday. They waited until the next day to interview Adrian. Right. But I'm sure, okay, why not? So, he's like, Fine. Yeah, so Adrian's at the police station, there's other deputy at the police station, and there's the sheriff and Kevin are all at this police station. Right. And finally, two full days after after Brian ran in and was like, the mist is coming, 
the mist hits the edge of town and immediately engulfs the entire place. It's like, oh, oh, this is where I was supposed to be. Gomp! Right. <laughs> uh, and, and you've seen... You saw this this older couple mm-hmm. earlier, and this is, these are the neighbors of, of Kevin and Eve. And mm-hmm. she's very environmentally conscious, and they bike it's Frances everywhere. Conroy, yeah, who is a great, great character actress who's right. been working in television for years. She was on, she was well, she she's been around forever. American Horror Story. Um, she was on uh, the HBO show about the uh, the mortuary. Six Feet Under. Six Feet Under. Yeah, no, she's an amazing actress. Just great actress who's done a, a just a load of stuff, and she's this hippy dippy sort of. Um, you know, naturalist, mm-hmm. and her husband is, you know, Bermuda shorts and, and Hawaiian shirts. A really they, pleasant couple. They ride their bicycles places, and so uh, she, earlier in the episode, had a moth land on her hand, and then all these frogs came out of the little creek by her house, and one of the frogs ate it off her hand. And she says there's a ton of frogs coming up out of the water, mm-hmm. and all these birds are flying over this, this strangely placed hill, and it's a really dramatic shot, but... The mist doesn't get there for like another two days, so right. I don't know where these animals are. What these right. animals are afraid of. So she goes down to the library with her husband to start looking into. She wonders if something like this has happened before. And in 1860, mm-hmm. there was indications that animals got went violent or or right. ran, you know would would be seen in large groups moving away from something. And apparently, there was what appeared to be bear attacks. Mm-hmm. Like eight people were killed by what they thought were bears. And she's like, huh, this is very interesting. And her husband's like, Aren't we, didn't the doctor say you're not allowed to go on the internet and look at conspiracy theories <laughs> anymore? She goes, it's not the internet. It's the, it's the it's newspaper archive. It's microfiche. <laughs> he's like, whatever. So they decide to leave the library. And thus begins some of the strangest behavior of people reacting to something that is completely not normal. The mist comes down to town, and everybody is like, Wow, there is some clouds on them ground. And I'm not sure if you've ever experienced fog before. Dear listeners, if you've <laughs> never experienced fog before, let me tell you how fog works. Fog is water vapor, mm-hmm. right? And it's it's kind of like being inside a cloud. Right. Right? And in olden days... London used to have this thing called pea soup fog. It was very, mm. very thick. It was very hard to see in. It was also very, very toxic. Right. You actually, when it was that bad, people were wearing things to cover their mouths because if you couldn't see that thick in the fog... You couldn't breathe. Right. And, and what you were breathing was, was rot and waste mm-hmm. and, and chemical reactions that actually made the... The, the reason it was pea soup was, was green-tinted. Mm. And, I mean, this is... The reaction that any of you have, if you step out into a fog and you can't see in front of your face, this is not normal. Right. Ever. No. All these people are like, wow, this is pretty. It's like, no, this is not normal. Yes, I can. But you've been in eerie fogs before where your first reaction is like, oh my God, I leave here. Amazing. We we are parts of Kansas City when when we get really, really foggy. uh, Leaving here, there's a couple of streets over where there's like like no street lights Mm -hmm. until the far end of the street light. You know the one I'm talking about right over there. And I've taken pictures of it. It looks really, really cool. But it's also, if I got, if I walked out of the house here and walked into a white wall of fog, mm. I'd be backpedaling quick going, Dustin, get on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what I'm walking into here. Because I'm not an idiot. And right. I'm, I mean, I live, I, I, I live within walking distance. I could walk up if I had to. Uh, but I'm also, you know, driving, driving in this would be dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I would like to know. But no, no, these people, no, no one is like, What's going on? They just walk out into it. It's like, mm. no. None of these people have any sense of right. self-preservation. So, anyway, uh, Mrs. <clears throat> they're the Ravens. Right. And Mr. and Mrs. Raven decide they're going to walk their bikes home. But they get kind of turned around, and they hit a bunch of trees. And the husband says... Let me just say that before we get to this thing, um, space and time again. Right. The editing on this show is so poor... That they literally step out of the of the library, the front doors of the libraries, take two steps, 
the camera angle changes. And from everything you can see of the background, they're in the woods. Right. And if any time was meant to have be implied to have happened between stepping out that door and getting into the woods, um, it's not there. Right. And so it's like, where the hell are these people? Where is this library? Is this a library from The Walking Dead? Is it, uh, is, <laughs> is it the a, library at the prison? It's a ninja library. It's <laughs> just out in the middle of the woods nowhere. So, so yeah, they're in the middle of this. Right. They're, they're trying to make well, it. And, but it seems like the husband knows where he's going because he says, oh, these trees are by the church. We've gone the wrong direction. We need to turn around. Now, I will believe that these characters could actually identify the trees mm-hmm. because that's the implication is that these people know. They're, they're nature lovers. I mean, the, and, the and, town that they live yeah, in. Yeah, and, and so, so him saying that didn't bother me at all. Right. But he turns around and there's a guy right there. Right. And the guy says, are you real? And... Mr. Raven says, yes, I'm real. And the guy takes out a gun and says, they all said they're real, and shoots him in the head. And everyone's like, what? Yeah. And and Mrs. Raven is just like, sh- totally shocked. And then the guy who shot him goes, oh my god, I'm so sorry, forgive me, and shoots himself in the head. And so she... Is traumatized as hell. And so she kind of stumbles away and ends up stumbling into the church where the right. priest finds her, and, and that's kind of the end for them. Uh, meanwhile, up at the police station, Kevin and the sheriff and one of the deputies are, uh, you see the fog, and they kind of come out into the fog, and one deputy thinks it's really awesome and wants to take pictures and stuff, and, but, but Kevin is like, this is, I don't think this is the way this is supposed to be. Right. And so him and the sheriff decide to go back inside. The deputy, meanwhile, wandering out into the fog here, is taking pictures of himself. Do selfies with the yeah. pictures in the fog. Uh, and again, if you know anything about how light works and cameras uh, work and fog works, every single one of those pictures is him and a wall of light behind him. Right. It's just like, okay, what are you doing? But then he's attacked by cockroaches. All the cockroaches. Yes. And he starts screaming. And we cut back inside the, the police station. And they're like, what is that screaming? And they run outside. And they can't find him. Right. The... the the off the police chief runs or the sheriff whatever his rank is runs into deeper into the fog and he comes running back out. we got to get in the car get in the car get, get in the car, car. Let's go. And, and so kevin gives him his car keys and says wait i'm going to go get adrian right he doesn't know anything about the people in the cells at right. this point but he runs back in to get adrian and the people in the cells call to him and so he goes back there and they're like if you leave us here we're going to die and it's like that's a leap. <laughs> we we just is. jumped narratively. Like, how did we decide that if we, like, and Kevin, being apparently the most gullible human being on the planet to date, mm-hmm. looks at the man in the cell who's screaming about how the mist is going to kill us all, and the belligerent woman in the other cell, right. who's basically like, "Let me out, or I'll kill you." And he says, yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah, why not? And then he goes and conveniently somehow manages to find the keys to the cells, the keys to the gun locker, uh, at least the keys to the the lockers in general. Because right. he's like, those look like personnel lockers. And with no trouble. I mean, yeah. this is like easy. He just goes and finds them. And meanwhile, them. they're talking like they already know what crazy stuff's going on. Because Mia keeps going like, you need us to survive. And... You know, and, and, and Brian's like, I told you what was in the fog. I told you that there was something in the fog. And it's like, nobody, like, <laughs> you guys are jumping to some severe conclusions. Like but Kevin just is like, yeah, sure, okay. Okay, yeah. So, and Adrian's just kind of wandering around the background. Well, like, no, Adrian sits there and, and he's like, you know, oh, she, uh, uh, she'd called, Mia had called Adrian right. a little freak. And he goes, I'm not a little freak. And... And I want an apology from you, or you're not getting out. And she, like, grabs him through the bars because, like an idiot, he steps mm-hmm. up to the bars. And she's like, when things go bad, you're going to need somebody, some some tough bitch like me to protect you. And again, assumptions are being made yeah. here. And he's like, you know, you're right, you bitch. And I'm like, oh, great. This yeah. is, eh, okay, whatever. And so... So they're all kind of like, and, and, and so Kevin finds a gun, and Mia wants to get one, but Kevin's like, I don't trust you with a gun. I'm not going to give you a gun. Oh, yeah. The sheriff drove off, by the way. Did we oh, mention yeah. the sheriff? No. no. He just drives away. He's like, screw this. I'm out of here. I'm not going to protect any of the people, though. You know, my job right. is to protect or anything. I'm just going to leave in somebody else's car, by the way. Right. He just stole Kevin's car. So, so 
Kevin is like, you can't have a gun, and he opens the door, and suddenly, deputy attack! Right, and, and he's been eaten, his face, half his face has been eaten off, and right. like, he's like, clawing around, and he looks really, you know, dazed, and mm-hmm. whatever, like, so he like, knocks, uh, knocks Kevin on the ground, and Mia then shoots the deputy in the back of the head, saving, you can't see my air quotes, saving right. Kevin from this deputy when, you know, who knows if he had maybe just been like, hang on, deputy. They could have rolled him over and pinned him down and tried to get some information or right. see if he was going to be okay. Did she, is that the same gun that Kevin had or did she get a different gun? I don't know, who knows, who cares. And, by the way, generally speaking, when two people are rolling around on the ground mm-hmm. and uh, you're holding a firearm, which looks like a, it looks like a, a forty-five. Mm-hmm. It's generally a bad idea to shoot into the group, the two guys running around, right. because she could have easily have killed Kevin with a shot. The only reason she didn't kill Kevin with a shot was because the writers said she shoots and kills the deputy. Because mm-hmm. there's no, I mean, it's just this whole show is the writer wrote this to happen this way. Mm-hmm. So all this is going on and terribleness and awful, stupid. Now. Alex and Eve. Eve is taking Alex out of town. Right. And this is the scene where we get the revelation that there's a rumor around town that Eve was a slut as a teenager. Yeah. And it's a big deal, apparently. And Eve is shocked, shocked that Alex knows this, and she slaps her daughter across the face. Which, again... Super-duper parenting. Yeah. Just outstanding. So they get to the mall because apparently there are no other pharmacies in town. So she's standing in line. Then one of the one of the the mothers who was really upset with yeah. her. And this seed actually was one of the bright spots of right. the entire thing because she's like, uh, she, "You obviously can raise your child however you want, but I'm not raising my child to know what condoms are." And and you know and. Eve's like, your child obviously knows what a blowjob is because I caught him watching porn on his phone. Because <laughs> you pompous bitch. <laughs> turns around and walks away. And I was like, well, that scene actually felt natural. Why yeah. is the rest of the show like this? Um, so she. I really feel like there were there were certain things that were uh, that sold Spike on this being a series. Yeah. You know that Eve is this you know hard ass take no prisoners mama bear and mm. you know and all these things didn't play out exactly the way that they wanted them to the editing in this thing feels very choppy to me yeah. in a lot of ways i think there's probably missing stuff and i think uh, there's 10 episodes in the first season right mm-hmm. is that what it is so i think oh I... the only season oh okay so <laughs> Um, I will. I will I'm tell you surprised that, that it was uh, that it was canceled mm-hmm. immediately upon yeah. the finish the the finish of the series uh, or of the season, uh, and it ended on a cliffhanger. Of course, it does. Uh, uh, but we'll get hope. We'll we'll see. This is, could be our filler. We've decided that this is going to be our filler McFillerson show because I this is this feels a lot like actually watching the early days of The Walking Dead season. Uh, from about, well, a good chunk of season two to season five, I think, where you and I were hate watching mm-hmm. it. This is exactly what that feels like, because right. this is so bad. So, instead of just saying this is so bad, meanwhile, right. um, Alex is in the car. Right. And noticing that the fog has rolled in, like, incredibly fast. Now that the fog has got to town, it's just going to be, hi there, I'm the fog. I'm the mist. It's going to get everything. And she's like, what's going on? And she gets out of the car, and the look on her face is actually like a sensible look. She's like, this is strange, and I'm confused, and I'm not, this is not cool. And then she starts wandering around the parking lot, which is suspiciously empty of cars all of a sudden. And then she comes across a body, and she starts screaming. Well, this guy bumps into her first Right, yeah, that's true. And then she finds it's the body of the guy who bumped into her. Mm -hmm. And his, like, head has been, like, turned around. Right. And so she screams, and... Uh, Eve has come out of the mall and she hears her and because nobody else is making any noise out in the world. The, the entire thing is completely quiet. Right. And she gets her and she's like, Mom! And it's like, we have to get inside, we have to get inside. So they run back inside and the power goes out in the mall. 
The power, by the way, stayed on at the police station, so consistency is not an issue here. Mm -hmm. And it's extremely well lit for a mall without power. Let's just point that out because it's way too brightly lit. But again, we don't know what time or Mm -hmm. day any of this stuff is. And that's when awful mom... Yeah, the pompous mom decides she's had enough. She's out of here. And she, she takes her son, her porn-loving son, and they leave. And about two seconds later, she is slammed up against the glass of the of the doors without her jawbone, and then dragged away into the mist. And a lot of people in the mall see this happen. Right, and there, and and a, like two of them make noise. By the way, mm-hmm. there's not like massive amounts of screaming or freaking out. It's all yeah. like, oh my goodness, what's going on? It's like, who are these what's people? What's happening? Has someone called the authorities? Who are these? So, and that's what that's in the episode. Yeah, that's it. That's and all I can say is, after watching this, a, I wouldn't have let it get to ten episodes if this is is is, you've seen this show. I watched it. I don't know why. Like, so you're going to do it again with me? That's oh. Or at least I'm, two episodes. I'm a glutton. Okay, I'm apparently. a glutton for punishment. I love things that are horrifically bad. Oh, I like bad and entertainment so too. So I but... think, I remember what, I rem- and I had severe problems with this show when I was watching it. Uh, but it's just, it's that kind of horrifically bad that you sort of can't look away from. And then once I, once I, because I didn't, I even DVR'd it. And watched it separate, <laughs> like, like I was doing oh, something no. else during the oh, no. the week. Why? I the... don't understand. Uh, okay, so there are the biggest issue I have with this show is that there really is no sense of tension. Right, and at every opportunity they have to establish a sense of tension, they sit there and go, "No, right, no." Well, the, here's the thing that, like, we, we come full circle. Mm-hmm. The nugget, the thing that made The Mist, the movie, right. so compelling was what would you do if you were trapped in an unknowable situation, an, a situation where you did not know how it happened or what would you do? How would your desperation uh, inform your decisions? Mm-hmm. This show does not go for that as the nugget. This show's decided that everybody crazy. <laughs> well, that's because none of these people are normal. Right. This is, this is an entire town of people who don't behave like people. And, you know, you you can certainly expect at least one character on a show to behave oddly. Right. Just because everyone's different, right? And there are people who do behave oddly. I have friends who behave oddly in a lot of situations. Oh, I can't make it through a situation without having... (laughs) But at the same time, I'm pretty sure that you would never react like any of these people do to any of the things that are happening on this this show. Right. Relationships don't make any sense. The only characters on this show right now who make any sense to me... Are the Ravens? Yeah. And, well, and, and they're they're down to one. One of them. <laughs> well, and uh, oh, we forgot to mention that that uh, Eve takes Alex in the mall. She takes Alex under her arms and says, "I am going to protect you. Nothing bad will happen to you." And over over Eve's shoulder, Alex sees Jay, the football quarterback, oh, God, who, yes. who has been accused of rape. She has <sighs> accused of raping her. Is in the is is in the mall, trapped in the mall with them. And by the way, this is after the face has been ripped off. Is that, is that yeah. yeah, it's after the, 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 the woman whose face has been ripped off. Generally speaking, when you see that, the next words out of your mouth uh, should not be the, okay, actually, you know what? No, that actually is an understandable thing to look at someone you love and say, it's going to be okay, I'm going to protect you, even though this is a prime example of uncapable promises. Right. Well, you know, there are, like I said, there are some That's little, reaction, little human reactions. Like, for example, I, you know... I was 100% with Kevin. She's 16. She should be allowed to go to the party. Let's arrange for a friend to go with her. Give her a reasonable curfew. That is, I get it. And that is where I left him. Right. Because everything he did after that is... Well, you know, this, the, the, the relationship between a married couple who have been married for at least 17 years and have maybe, probably been together longer, 
doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. They're clear. There's mysteries that are established in this first episode that should not be mysteries between people. Um, the sympathetic gay best friend um, seems to be really, really good at saying exactly the wrong thing. Um, the sheriff is the worst law enforcement figure since oh I don't know Boss Hog. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just he's oh, I'm. I can tell you, it just gets worse from here. We are actually going to watch the next episode next week. It'll be yes. two weeks, right? So we are. At, this is this is the plan. This is <laughs> this is the terrible, terrible plan. We've criticized many plans as being terrible. Here's ours. Um, <laughs> we are going to. This is going to be the filler show, right? Because hate watching is actually a thing that we enjoy doing. Oh, and after it. watching this first episode, I hate this show. <laughs> it is so bad. It is not scary. It is not tense. It is full of people doing dumb, dumb things. If you have not watched this show, I'm thinking you're okay with the world. You may be all right. Mm-hmm. If you have watched this show, join us next week as we tear apart <laughs> the second episode. And, tell and, you, then, and if remember, you liked it... <laughs> coming up... Disney oh, zombies. Yeah. Oh, and I just I, I again bad with dates. Dustin uh, hits me when you're. It not comes here. on, comes on on the 16th, uh-huh. which just so happens to be the night that I'm taking the kids to respite, so they won't be here. But guess who will be here to join us on our podcast for, for Disney zombies? My very best friend in the whole world, sorry, Al Shabazz. Oh. We will get to because we're going to actually record on that Friday that this is always happens, and 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 so I I'm going to set the DVR to record it to make sure we don't miss a single second. And sorry, we'll watch it with us, and we will be able to have him on the podcast that night. Excellent, because he's coming for Planet Comic Con. Yeah, we love having Sorry around. Sorry's mm-hmm. a fantastic fantastic guy to be on the show anyway, but he's Sorry's just a great guy. Mm-hmm. All right, folks, we've traumatized uh, me enough and probably you enough, with the first episode of The Mist. We'll be back next week with more episode two of The Mist, and then we'll get into all the other madness that's coming up in the in the following weeks. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, folks, for listening. As always, if you could leave us a comment or, or give us a rating on iTunes or podcast.com or Google Play or any places that you, you find our podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. As always, we do appreciate you being our audience, and we look forward to seeing you guys next week. Woo! This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2018 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 